G'day, Troy Dean from WP Elevation, and welcome to episode 43 of the WP Elevation podcast. It's hard to believe we are almost at episode number 50. This week's feature guest is Lisa Sabin-Wilson from Web Dev Studios and, of course, the author of WordPress for Dummies, which I learned in this episode was written way back in 2006. In this episode, you're going to learn the some key strategies about how to position yourself as the authority, or as Lisa Sabin-Wilson says, the hero, and why positioning yourself as the hero is so important, and in fact, how doing this completely transformed Lisa's business. Lisa was a nurse and was tinkering with WordPress on the weekends, setting up her own blog. She built her first website for a client for $75, that's right, 75 big ones, and now she's partner at Web Dev Studios, who are growing at a rate of knots. They are the team behind AppPressor, the mobile app development framework uh, for WordPress. And you know, in this episode, you're going to learn how she's gone from strength to strength and stepped up that ladder and elevated, if you like, uh, along her career path and uh, why speaking and writing the book was so instrumental in that. In fact, speaking of books, she's written three books, WordPress for Dummies, WordPress Web Design for Dummies, and WordPress All-in-One for Dummies. And guess what? She's very kindly offered to give away a copy of each of those books on this episode. So there are three prizes to win. Make sure you watch the interview and learn how you can enter the draw to win those prizes. Stay with us. Let's elevate. This is the WP Elevation Podcast. Helping WordPress consultants elevate. This episode of the WP Elevation podcast is brought to you by Video User Manuals, the plugin that puts over 60 video tutorials in your client's WordPress dashboard to teach them how to use WordPress so you don't have to. It also teaches them how to use WooCommerce and SEO by Yoast if you have them enabled. You can also add your own custom videos, which a lot of people don't know. So if you build custom post types like testimonials or staff profiles, you can make your own little videos and add them to the plugin and they slot in seamlessly. Uh, of course, Video User Manuals is the first, the original, and the best way to teach your clients how to use WordPress. Okay, our elevation tip of the week this week is achieve some work-life balance. That's right, I'm actually telling you to step away from the computer, go outside and stretch. Uh, why am I telling you to get away from the computer? Well, of course, after you've listened to this episode, you can step away from the computer. Or maybe you can step away from the computer and listen to this episode while you're walking around the park which I'm a big fan of, listening to podcasts while I walk around the park. Of course, not my own podcast. It's true, I never listen to my own podcast because, frankly, it's a bit weird. Um, however, Lisa, in this episode, Lisa Sabin-Wilson talks about the importance of achieving work-life balance, particularly as your business grows. So she wants to know, uh, you know how we all achieve work-life balance. That's something that you're going to be able to uh, participate in a little bit later on. That's part of the competition that we're going to run. Uh, so my tip this week is just you know get out and do other things. Don't drown yourself in code or trying to problem solve. Make sure you are achieving some work-life balance. It's really critical for your mental health and it's really crucial for just you know staying balanced. I like to work out a couple of times a week just to get me out of the computer and you know out of the office and just to clear my head. And on the weekends, I try not to work. Most weekends, I do a little bit of work, but I try to take at least one day off a week where I'm out of you know out of this space and away from my emails and away from everything. So try and achieve some more work-life balance. It's just good for your overall well-being. Lisa Sabin-Wilson is our guest this week. Of course, she is from Web Dev Studios, and she's the author of four uh, WordPress for Dummies books. WordPress, I said three before, but I've just discovered she also wrote BuddyPress for Dummies. So that makes her a published author of four 
Dummies Books for WordPress and BuddyPress. Uh, she is, of course, uh, also a co-founder of AppPressor, which is the mobile app development framework for WordPress. Uh, there's tons and tons of gold in this interview about positioning, about pricing, about knowing what you're good at, learning how to say no, about growing, employing, managing people. It's all here. It's awesome. You're going to get a lot out of it. And we're giving away three books. What else could you want? Let's go and meet Lisa Sabin-Wilson. G'day, Troy Dean here from WP Elevation, and I'm very pleased to have with me all the way from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Lisa Sabin-Wilson. Hey, Lisa, how are you? I'm good, Troy. How are you? Now, is it Milwaukee, Wisconsin, or is it Wisconsin, Milwaukee? (laughs) (laughs) It's Milwaukee, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Milwaukee (laughs) is the city, Wisconsin is the state, right? Exactly right. Yep. We used to play this game in high school where a buddy and I, were, like all the kids, it would be would be like trying to list the fifty states of the U.S. And my buddy and I could usually get through them, but we'd always have arguments about whether it was a state or a city. I'd be like Utah. I'd be like, "That's a city." I'm like, "No, it's not. It's a state." <laughs> That's okay because we have the same um, arguments about Australia yeah. over here. So. But there's only like six of them here or seven of them. There's 50 of them over there. How, like, when, I was in, when I was in Chicago a couple of weeks ago, I was sitting on a plane with some Americans and they like, they couldn't even, they were arguing over what the capital of Milwaukee was. Because see, what we learn is like the biggest cities are the capital. So I thought LA was the capital of, of California. I thought, uh-huh. you know, I thought um, Chicago is the capital of Illinois. And that's, that's not the case. It's usually like the smaller cities that are the capitals. What's that about? I, I don't really know. I think it's probably about um, where the states were founded, maybe. I'm, oh. I'm not sure. Like oh. in Wisconsin, our capital is Madison. Yeah. Um, not a small city, but not as big as Milwaukee either. But And Ann Arbor, Ann Arbor is the capital of? Michigan. Michigan, right. Yeah. You would think it would be Detroit because yes. Detroit's like one of the big cities there, but Ann Arbor is a beautiful city. Yeah. Absolutely gorgeous and small. A lot smaller than Detroit. Yes. Wow. Well, this is supposed to Chicago, be a WordPress... Chicago, by the way, is a city, just so you know. Sorry? I said Chicago, by the way, is a city, just so you yes, know. Yes, that's right. It's, it's, the, it's a big city in the state of Illinois, yes. Exactly, yep. Uh, this is supposed to be a WordPress podcast, but we're just having a little geography lesson to get ourselves <laughs> acquainted. Um, now, for those that don't know, Lisa Sabin-Wilson is from Web Dev Studios and also is one of the brains behind AppPressor, which we're going to talk a lot about, and also has written about 8,000 books about uh, WordPress for dummies, three of which we're going to give away on this uh, episode. So stick around for details on how you can enter that competition a little bit later on and pick up one of three WordPress for dummies books. Okay, Lisa, before we start talking about all things WordPress-ish, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a musician when I grew up. Cool. Uh, I played the piano. I actually went to college the, for the first time um, and majored in vocal performance with a minor in music education. So. I did not know this. I did not know yeah. that you sang and played piano. I do, and violin. <laughs> wow. Do you, do, you yeah. still, do you still play much these days? Um, I don't play the violin anymore. It's been a while, so right. it might take me a little bit to pick up, but piano I do. Cool. Awesome. Do you perform yeah. anywhere? Like, do you, do you gig around or? No, no, not anymore. I used to. Wow. Um, I used to be in a band and, and all of that kind of fun stuff, but um, not anymore. Awesome. Well, there you go. I just learned something. Um, when did you discover the internet and, and think, wow, okay, this is something that I want to spend a bit of time doing? Uh, yesterday. <laughs> um, wow, you've learned. You've come a long way. Yeah. You've got like a Bluetooth headset. You've got video Skype going on. You're really on a trajectory here. It's those dummies books. They really get you. Um, 
the internet, uh, probably uh, mid to late 90s, I discovered the internet. Um, I actually didn't start out in a in a career of web design or web development or anything. I was a registered nurse for 12 years. Um, the internet kind of captured my attention back then. And I started just kind of dinking around with tools on the internet, um, Microsoft front page, Dreamweaver, um, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. And just really developed an interest in graphic design and website development. Um, so yeah, about mid, mid to late nineties. Do you remember the first time you saw the WordPress dashboard? I do. I do. I was a movable type user ah, uh, back then and yeah. I was already, I was already blogging. I started blogging in 1999. Um, and I was a movable type user and one of my friends introduced me to B2. Uh, way back the day before it was WordPress, and I ignored it. I was like, uh, it looked really simplistic to me <laughs> compared to Movable Type, which was this huge program. So um, when WordPress became WordPress, uh, I took more of a, a look at it and then imported my Movable Type blog into WordPress. I want to say it was before the one point, so maybe it was 07, or I don't remember the exact version of it, um, but it was the very first version of WordPress and never really looked back from there. So I've been using WordPress since the very beginning. And was that, was movable type, I think I was a movable type user way back when as well, but and did, did, are they, is that the platform that they started charging? They kind of dropped their free version and they started charging straight out of the gate? Um, so they had a free version. I was using the free version. I think it was around... 2000 oh god my memory <laughs> 2004 maybe that movable type started charging so they changed their licensure mm. um so wordpress was really primed at that point to kind of take on this onslaught of movable type um yeah users who just wanted to leave because they were very unhappy uh i that's not why i made my change i was actually uh, really dissatisfied with the um static publishing of movable types so every time you and because I was a designer or a developer or digging into the templates, every time you made a change to the CSS or one of the templates, you had to rebuild the entire site. Like you couldn't just yeah. put a change up there and it would, you know, populate that change across the entire site. Every page, every archive had to be rebuilt. And when you started getting like a large number of posts and archives, uh, that became a very timely process. Mm. That's what turned me for WordPress. I was like, you're kidding. I can just make a change here and it's done. Yeah. I, I remember one of the big aha moments I had when I started using WordPress was the, the include of header and footer. Because I remember in Dream yeah. in like in Dreamweaver, if you wanted to change like if you wanted to add a page to your main navigation, you had to go through and, and update every page of the main navigation. Whereas in WordPress, I think back then I was hard coding the, the, the list items into the navigation menu in the header and I just did it once and it populated the, the entire site and I thought I, I thought I was a wizard I thought I was like some kind of magician it was just this, I know. it was revolutionary I know I think my big moment like that with WordPress was when they introduced static pages oh uh, yeah yeah so I was using it before then and we were using posts for static pages and just turning comments off on it so it looked like a page <laughs> but then it was always I don't want them to like show up in my blog chronology you know the archive of it when they introduced static pages I was like I love this platform yeah. so much yeah 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 <laughs> and now look at how far it's come yeah now. so were you building when you start first started using wordpress were you building like hobby sites for yourself or was it like was it for the band that you were in or 
No, it was hobby sites for myself. It was my own personal blog. Okay. I probably changed the design and theme on that once a week. Well, now I'm lucky if I can change it once a once every five years. I don't yeah, have time. Yeah. But I was probably changing my design once a week on it because I was just having so much fun. And the people that followed my blog and uh, friends of mine would see it and they'd be like, wow, that's really cool. Can you do that to my site? And that's really how I got started. Oh, man, this is such a common story. I, just about everyone I have on the podcast says the same thing. They built something for themselves first, and then a friend said, that's really cool. Can you do it for me? And then eventually someone they didn't know turned up and said, hey, someone recommended you. And they went, oh, maybe I should start charging people for this because you're not my friend or my brother-in-law, so I reckon I can charge you money for this. Yeah. Uh, my very first paid blog design development uh, job was $75. I did the full blown like whole thing, front page, you know, the blog, the custom, I did the custom design graphic work and the development for $75. That's awesome. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, Brian Krogsgaard said recently on Post Status, um, just build, like his, his recommendation is just build something, like just build something you want to build. Don't do it for a client, just build it for yourself. Just get to know the platform and I think it's so true. Like, I still build things that I, like, if I really want to dig into something really funky with WooCommerce, I'll just, I'll just, I've just got sandbox d domains set up all over the place. And I just dig in oh, and yeah. I just play and I just build stuff, you know, for, for the sheer fun of it, just to make something, just to create something. Like, you know, now we've got nothing in an hour and a half's time. We've got something that we can interact with and play with. It's awesome, isn't it? Oh, it absolutely is. And having a, an environment like that, to be able to play with these different tools and even just play with WordPress platform itself without yeah. any of the add-ons or plugins really introduces you to the nuances of the platform. And you start to discover um, things about WordPress that you never knew. You know, you start to discover things like the screen options and the dashboard and what that can do to help you kind of tailor that dashboard experience. Um, you discover the help tab and you find out that there's all sorts of like really helpful inline documentation that the WordPress core group has done a really phenomenal job with uh, putting in there for new users. And you start to discover these little things that maybe you didn't really know or maybe you wouldn't have known if you're just trying to rush yourself through yeah. a client project or something. So all of that knowledge that you gain just by playing with the platforms like that is all knowledge that you can then apply to your business and pass on to your clients and then you become their hero Yeah, because they didn't know that stuff either. So. Yeah, exactly. That's a really interesting point. We're going to loop back to that uh, in a little while about uh, being the hero. How do you describe what you do in one sentence? When you meet someone for the first time and they say, hey, Lisa, what is it you do? What's your elevator pitch, so to speak? Um, what we do at Web Dev Studios is uh, advanced custom design and development for WordPress builds. So we're not your... We're not your typical WordPress shop doing small boutique blogs. We're doing very advanced customizations. So when you say advanced customizations, and I like this because you're really clear about what you do and what you don't do. And I think this is a really good distinction to be, you know, for people starting out, if you can get really clear about what you don't want to do and then just don't do that and just focus on what you do want to do, makes life right. a lot easier. So when you say advanced customizations, what does that mean? Are you integrating with other third-party things? Are you like... Do, do your WordPress sites still look and feel and operate like WordPress? No. Sometimes they do. I mean, right. yeah, some of, them, some of them they do. They just look like blogs. Um, so when I talk about advanced customizations, it can be anything from really advanced, like high-level um, data migrations from 
other, not from WordPress to WordPress, but from custom CMSs or from just plain XML files. That is a huge um, challenge for a lot of people to be able to manipulate that data and bring it into WordPress in a way that makes sense. Mm. Um, a lot of businesses, a lot of entities are moving off of the customized CMS because they want something that's more tried and true and something that's more um, known out there with more tools and more documentation and, and actively developed and things like that. So high level custom migrations we do. Um, advanced customization in terms of themes, we're doing a lot of custom themes with custom post types and taxonomies and data relationships. Again, we're back to the data. Mm. Um, and then you know, e-commerce sites, of course. Um, and then we get into things like real heavy customization of BuddyPress and BBPress forums, um, stuff like that. And then from customized advanced development, we're creating plugins at Web Dev Studios that don't exist in the repository yet, um, mainly because our clients come to us with these huge, amazing ideas. <clears throat> and we're like, yeah, I mean, WordPress can do that. It's just a matter of, you know, figuring out the best way to get it done. Sometimes it involves, you know, customized um, API integrations with other services. Sometimes it requires um, just different development techniques and, and different ideas um, from plugins that currently exist out there today. So it's really, when clients come to us with really challenging things um, that sort of stretch the possibility of what WordPress or BuddyPress or BBPress can do, we're all over it because we love the challenge. Mm. Is that where, now correct me if I'm wrong, but I think, and I'm just doing my little bit of research here to make sure I'm not wrong, but you guys are, Badge OS is one of your things, right? Badge OS is one of our things, yeah. I've got to tell you a little, a little, a little secret of mine. I'm currently totally in love with Badge OS and we are... Aww putting it through its paces at the moment and seeing how we can uh, include it in the WP Elevation membership website because I, this thing is just so sexy. I just love it so much. So is this, nice. is this one of those things that came about from a client requirement? Yeah, it absolutely came out from a client requirement. We developed BadgeOS in partnership with a group called Credly uh -huh. um, or Learning Times also, um, and they contacted us to create sort of a badging gamification system mm -hmm. uh, for WordPress for um, a custom, a very custom um, build that we did for clients with them. Um, and it was released as a free WordPress plugin um, in in partnership with Crudly. So it's we developed it. Um, Crudly helps us support it and maintain it. Um, so yeah, that definitely came from a custom. And that's a really good example of things that we're doing that are that are customized, you know. And for, those, for anyone who hasn't, you've got to take badge, uh, download, there's like a free version of the plugin, then there's a whole bunch of add-ons that you can get. Download the free version and just start taking it for a spin in one of your little sandboxes. This thing is addictive. I, I just, it's great. I, I, just I mean, everybody loves earning badges. Oh, man, what's, what's not to like about earning badges? It like takes me back to when I was a kid and I'd do my chores and I'd get a gold star on the fridge for doing my chores. You know, it's like instant gratification, you know? I want to know what badge I'm going to get for doing this interview. <laughs> I'll have to. I'll work one out. All right, there you okay. go. <laughs> we'll, we'll make something happen. Um, All right. Awesome. Okay. So, uh, what? So, what do you spend most of your time actually doing day to day? Now that you're not in front page anymore, and we're not in Dreamweaver anymore, uh, you're actually, you know, your your partner at Web Dev Studios. You're working with. Uh, big clients. Are you still coding? Are you doing business development? Are you doing account like project management? What do you actually do on a day to day basis? Um, herd cats. 
<laughs> no, I do. I still code. Um, I never want to get away from that ever. Right. Um, I would be very unhappy if I got away from it. And that's sort of the challenge, um, owning a business like this. Cause when you become an owner, you, um, start wearing all the different hats, you know, mm. you're the accountant, you're the contractor, you're the legal department, you're the HR department, you're all of that. And it's so easy to get away from what drove you into this business to begin with. For me, it was my love of design and it was my love of development and getting in there and creating solutions and things like that. So I will never get away from that. I've always had my hand in something like that. But primarily, I do a lot of business development um, and a lot of, um, on our end, a lot of, I'm in charge of a lot of like the QA and user experience for all of our projects across the board. So we've got you know, project managers, we've got developers, we've got designers working on these projects. And I'm kind of the cleaner who comes in behind them and uh, internally like QAs it, make sure the user experience is what is intended before we hand it off to the client. So it's kind of my overreaching goal at Web Dev Studios. Why do you think it's important that you keep coding? Like why do you want to, why do you want to keep up with, you know, what's the latest CSS preprocessor that everyone's using? Like, why do you think it's important to keep up with that stuff? Well, number one, it's, it's my passion. So I want to hang on to that. I don't, I don't want to lose that because I think my passion is a lot of what drives me. And if I lose touch with it, I feel like I lose touch with everything else, that everything else will just kind of crumble. Hmm. The other thing is that I, I supervise my team. You know, we've got 25 employees now and a lot of them, have varying strengths from CSS to JavaScript to graphic design to PHP development to API integrations, data migrations, things like that. Um, so in order for me to assist my team in helping make the best decisions for solutions for clients, um, I need to keep up on that kind of stuff because otherwise they come to me and they go, Lisa, what do you think of this? I'm like, uh, I don't know. Let me Google it. Like, find out what I think of it. Let me have Google tell me what I think about it. <laughs> But how, how can you possibly, like, with, you know, with, with that size team, I mean, I, I even know, you know, talking to some of our members who have, like, you know, maybe three or four contractors that they sub-work out to, how can you possibly keep up with everything that's going on? Like, don't you get to a point where you say to your JavaScript guy, well, I don't know, man, you're the expert, you're better at JavaScript than I am, you tell me the best solution, you tell me the best practice here. How can you possibly, isn't it a, a real challenge to stay across everything? It is really a challenge to stay across everything. And, and I'm not here to say that I, I know everything there is to know about JavaScript. I know a lot of things, but we have, you know, a handful of JavaScript experts at Web Dev Studios. It's why we hired them mm. uh, is because they've got expertise in JavaScript. And so absolutely, they are the ones who are making those decisions. But it's when they come up against uh, a decision. I could do it this way or I could do it this way. Mm. What do you think? You know, let's talk about and let's banty about ideas and what the best way is for this kind of project overall. Because usually for the project, I've got the big picture idea, right? I know the project from start to what it's supposed to be at the finish. And I know all of the different working pieces that are supposed to be there. Yep. So sometimes it's um, bouncing ideas off of somebody like me who's got that sort of overreaching knowledge of the project to find out if a certain way of doing things is going to affect other moving parts in that or not. Yeah. So it's, it's very much teamwork. I absolutely lean on my JavaScript experts quite a lot. Um, but it is uh, very much collaborative. 
Yeah. How, do, you, do you have a go-to place where you keep your skills up, where you go to learn what's happening and, and kind of follow trends and keep up with new technology? Mm. You're... Oh, did I freeze you're cutting on cutting out on... Yeah, oh, you okay. froze on. Let's try that one again. I did... Yeah, I didn't hear that whole do, last part. <laughs> do you have a do you have a go to resource where you go to keep up with new technology and learn new techniques and new trends? Yeah, I think some of the I do a lot of blog reading. I mean, Twitter is amazing. Mm. You could just I you know I've curated a WordPress list. A lot of people have curated a WordPress experts list, a design experts list. So I keep my lists um, filled with people who are putting out really excellent articles and ideas and resources and things like that. So I could just sit on Twitter all day and learn gobs of yeah. information, just clicking through articles that people who are experts in my industry are putting out there, whether they're writing those articles or whether they're finding them and sharing them. So Twitter is a really good place to curate those types of resources if you use it correctly. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, the the usual standards. I like um, Smashing Magazine. I like a lot of the WordPress um, resource sites that put out new and interesting articles about the latest and upcoming thing. Um, WP Tavern is one, Post Status is another, um, you know, and then I follow kind of the niche sites like uh, Securi, for example, because they're always blogging about and putting out articles about um, things related to security and WordPress security and things like that. So it's just kind of finding those resources and keeping an eye on what's new and what's coming up. Mm. Um, Brad Williams, my partner at Web Dev Studios, always knows what's new, always. And I think he does that because he runs Dradcast, so he has to keep up on what's new because he's reporting on it all the time. Yeah. So I just have to listen to him talk. <laughs> <laughs> that's very, and he con- talks a that's lot. very convenient having uh, <laughs> having the co-host of Dradcast in house. Um, yeah. Okay. What's the one thing that keeps you awake at night? Work related or non work related? <laughs> well, you know, it's an open ended question, Lisa. <laughs> most, so not of, work- mo- most of our guests say something work related, but you feel free to share whatever you want to share. <laughs> There's a lot that keeps me up at night. Um, <laughs> work related, uh, right now, Web Dev Studios is in a, like a lot of, of the agencies out there, in a growth period right now. Um, we've tripled our size in the last year and we don't kind of see any slowdown coming. Actually, we know that there's more growth immediately ahead. Um, I worry and it keeps me up at night. I worry that we're growing the right way, making sure that we've got all of our processes covered from, and not just development or design processes, but HR processes and communication and workflows and things like that to make sure that not only, um, the clients are happy, but that my employees, that our team members are happy and they have what they need and they feel supported. And, um, that keeps me up at night, I guess, you know, I worry about things like that. I'm just, I'm a worrier anyway, so it doesn't take much to keep me up at night. Right. (laughs) So, so how do you, so, so on that, how do you, uh, manage that worry and how do you switch off and, and kind of get a bit of balance? What do you do when you're not working? Um, well, it's summertime here in Wisconsin, so I do a lot of outdoor activities, um, a lot of gardening. I love gardening, mm. so I spend a lot of time out in the yard. Um, that really kind of help balances me. Um, we do boating, a lot of water activities, things like that. So I try to um, leave work behind me on the weekends as much as possible and go out and do that kind of stuff. And I have to tell myself that, okay, we're out here and we're, we're on a boat in the middle of a lake. Just leave it alone. Yeah, yeah. You know, I leave, try to leave my cell phone in the truck, in the parking lot, and just walk away from it. Um, 
so I do do that for, for life balance. What's really nice at web dev studios, and this is kind of, um, different from my early parts of the career. So early as a, uh, business owner, I was just by myself. It was just me. You know, I ran my business. I had contractors that worked with me, but I ran everything. In 2013, I merged with WebDev Studios, which was owned at that time by Brad Williams, Brian Messenlaner. So now the three of us are equal partners in that company. And I can't even begin to tell you how much it's helped to be able to have partners like that to share the responsibilities, to bounce ideas off of, um, to share the responsibility, I guess that is, that was a really big thing because, um, Brad and Brian had already had their team together. They had certain processes in place. Um, so as we grow, it's just improving on those things, but having that partner or those partners, um, there to help you share in that is vital to me. And how did that come about? I'm fascinated by this, like partnerships are really hard work and particularly the more people that are in a partnership, I, I think I was talking to Shane from Modern Tribe about this recently. They're a three-way partnership. Partnerships are really difficult. First of all, how did this partnership come about? Was there a moment where, where you and Brad just went, this makes perfect sense, just come on board? Or was it like a slow thing that evolved? How did that, how did that eventuate? How did that conversation start? Over a lot of beer. <laughs> just a lot of beer. So, um, Brad. The, be the best Williams, way to start a business partnership, right? The absolute best way right. to start a business partnership is when you're pissed, yeah? <laughs> I think so, yeah. Well, at least it's a good start. So, um, Brad goes to a lot of WordCamps, right? I go to a lot of WordCamps. And so it was inevitable that we ended up, um, you know, talking a lot and meeting a lot and becoming friends. Um, in 2009 was the first time I met Brad at WordCamp Chicago. 2009. Mm -hmm. And every time we got together at a WordCamp, we would go to the after party, we would have a few beers and two or three beers in, we would say, we should just merge everything together and, you know, take over the world, world domination. And we'd have these conversations and it'd be like, yeah. And then we'd go back home. He'd go to Philadelphia. I'd go back to Milwaukee and um, things would just get back to normal and I'd get back to my daily grind and he and then we'd get back together at a WordCamp and say the same thing. And it was in 2012 that I think it was, I want to say it was WordCamp Chicago again, which would kind of make sense. Um, but it was 2012 where we had a very similar conversation about it. But I was at a point in my career where I was drowning in the work that I was doing, um, my father passed away the year before, so I was kind of drowning in personal issues as well. It had just become pretty overwhelming, and it occurred to me that I needed to either take a partner on or change some of the ways that I was doing things because the projects that I was doing were getting a lot bigger, a lot more complicated, uh, more enterprise level. So I dropped an email to both Brad and Brian after that conversation where Camp Chicago, I got back home and dropped an email to them and said, what if we had a conversation about this that didn't include any beer <laughs> at all? We had a sober conversation about it, really seriously looked at it. Here's what I bring to the table. Here's what I think you guys bring to the table. Let's have a talk. Mm. And that's how that whole thing came about. And that was in June of 2012. And by November, we were signing paperwork. Wow. So, Yeah. That's awesome. How I want to talk about how you got to that point where, um, where you you know like as of as a as someone who started out you know 
built your first site for $75, graduated into WordPress. You then get to a point where you've got so much work on that you're drowning. You're doing enterprise-level projects. How the hell did, how, how did that happen? Like, what was, what was the key thing that you think that you put in place to position yourself as the hero, which is, which is you know, one of the things that you were saying before? Because we know that that kind of authority hero positioning is so important. How did you, how did you do that? Um, well, I wrote a book for one thing. Uh Um, in 2006, I published my first WordPress for dummies book. Um, and that put me on a different level. I mean, not every business owner is going to have that opportunity. Um, so I realized that that's unique, but that, that took my business to a completely different level and gave me a platform that I didn't have prior Mm. to that. It gave me an international platform. Mm. Um, it increased my readership and my reach by quite a lot. Mm. Um, through that people would contact me about this, that, or the other thing. I was getting a lot of reader questions to clarify certain sentences in my chapters. Um, (laughs) But then I got a lot of people contacting me for business because if I wrote the book, therefore I must know what I'm doing. I should be able to help their organizations. That, that was kind of uh, um, the catalyst for me that got me into um, larger business. Prior to that, I was doing a lot of personal blogs um, you know, sort of the cat bloggers and the mommy bloggers, which is great work and fun people. Mm. Um, but then I started getting into more businesses, small mm. businesses, mom and pop shops, things like that. And then it just naturally grew into some enterprise work. By the time I approached Brad and Brian, I was doing primarily enterprise work. And that's a lot for one person to take on because most of those projects have a lot of moving parts and mm. it's so much more helpful to have a team than it is to be the one person doing it. Let's come back to how you manage that workload in, in a moment. But first of all, the book, how did the book come about? And I know I've, I actually know this story because we spoke about <laughs> this at WordCamp Chicago. Uh, for those that don't know, just a quick little backstory. Uh, I went to WordCamp Chicago a few weeks ago and the day after we ran a private workshop for our WP Elevation members who came in from all around the place, including New Jersey and Canada and uh, Indiana. It was amazing. And Lisa was supposed to be at WordCamp Chicago. So I reached out to her and said, hey, do you want to hang around for a day and come into our workshop afterwards and do a little guest presentation and tell our people about your story and where you come from? And she said, yes, she'd love to. And then you got sick and you couldn't make it to WordCamp Chicago, but you still drove down the day after to come and spend an hour with us in our workshop. And I was so chuffed by that. I did. And I'm, and it was a lot of fun. And I'm glad that I did that. And it was a beautiful day in Chicago. The weather was absolutely gorgeous. And your, your group was great. Um, but yeah, I got sick. I was supposed to speak at WordCamp Chicago and um, I came down with the flu or whatever. I don't know. I was running a really high fever the night before. So I'd made the decision not to drive down that Friday night um, and miss WordCamp Chicago. But you forgot another part of the story because <laughs> you run WP Think Tank, right? And you invited me to speak at and be a part of the first think tank. And I had to cancel on you the day of, because I had a very large client obligation that I needed to fulfill. And I think I gave you all of three hours notice that day. (laughs) Yeah. But yet, despite that, you still invited me back for think tank part two, (laughs) even though I rudely canceled on you with very little notice the first time. Um, So I was on Think Tank Part 2, and then when you invited me down to speak to your group and I accepted and then I got sick, I thought, I can't do this to Troy again. (laughs) Like, I can't. Like, so... I was feeling better by Monday morning, so I made the drive down. Well, I really appreciate it, and so did my members. I tell you what, we had a great uh, conversation for the rest of that day and that night, and they were absolutely chuffed. We had a couple of guys from Woo Themes in in the morning. We had you in in the afternoon, and they were absolutely 
blown away by how generous you guys were with your time. So we spoke about the story there, but for the rest of the people who haven't heard the story, how did writing the WordPress for Dummies book come about? And this was in about 2006, you said, yeah? Yes. Right, so WordPress, so, was, WordPress was still young in 2006 and still, getting, still, still finding its own feet. And you wrote a book called WordPress for Dummies. I mean, that's like the ultimate positioning exercise. How the hell did that happen? It was a complete and total accident. It wasn't um, It wasn't orchestrated at all on my part. So I'd been using WordPress since 2003 and doing custom designs and um, doing work for uh, small clients. And back then, and it's kind of hard to think about now because of the way the industry is right now, but back in 2004 to 2006, custom design shops for WordPress were few and far between. There were not many of us because WordPress was still new. Mm. There was still, you know, movable type. There was still Drupal was a large player back then. Not that they're not now, but back then they were much larger, I think. Mm. Um, so there weren't a lot of people doing custom work for WordPress because it was so new and people didn't know the platform well enough to be able to be doing that. Um, so there were a handful of us out there. And I was asked actually to speak at South by Southwest, which is a huge international conference in Austin, Texas that happens every March. Okay, so just um, hang on, let's just take a step back. You were asked to speak at South by Southwest. So in Australia, we know what South by Southwest is, and it's like most of us are in awe of this, you know, amazing conference and it would be amazing if we got an opportunity to go there. You got asked to speak there. How did you get asked to speak at South by Southwest? I just got an email one day from a, a girl that was putting together a panel for South by Southwest. And the panel she was putting together was called How to Make Money with Your Blog Design Skills. And right. they were struggling to find somebody to represent WordPress. So they wanted people on the panel that represented different platforms. One was Expression Engine. The other was Movable Type and TypePad. Um, the other one was oh, Blogger, maybe. Uh -huh. um, but they wanted WordPress represented on that panel, and they were struggling to find somebody. So this girl put out feelers for it, and somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody passed my name along to her, and she got a hold of me and said, would you like to come down, represent WordPress on this panel? Wow. So I said, sure. It was my very, very first um, public speaking gig as a WordPress design slash development entrepreneur. Um, wow. It was very intimidating. Were you, were, you, were you pinching yourself going, hang on a second, like, like I don't mean this disrespectfully, but were you like, who the hell am I to be sitting up here on this panel representing WordPress at South by Southwest? See, I didn't back then um, because I wasn't really like fully integrated into this. I was still doing some nursing work back then. So I hadn't fully right. like transitioned my entire career. I had never heard of South by Southwest right. back then. So I didn't know right. what big of what a big deal it was, right. but I thought that it would be fun, and I thought that it would be interesting to do, and kind of a way to um, springboard my career and make some decent contacts. Little did I know that when I went down there to speak, that there would be um, a publisher in the audience from Wiley Publishing, who owns the For Dummies brand, which is huge. I mean, there's a For Dummies book for absolutely everything yeah um and then i i was asked it um after our panel i was asked if i would be interested in writing wordpress for dummies wow I, you know i love this because it was kind of like you know you were you were completely ignorant of the whole kind of entrepreneur <laughs> tech startup space and through the through that kind of ignorance you weren't afraid of you weren't kind of you know thinking because you know like when we, when we go to Pressnomics and we go to WordCamps and we see our WordPress rock stars, I mean, we had this conversation in Chicago, we see our WordPress rock stars and some people find it really, you know, intimidating and uncomfortable to kind of 
you know, there's kind of this insecurity or this fear of, you know, how do I fit into this space? But because you kind of didn't really fit into this space, that you didn't, you didn't have to overcome that when you spoke at South by Southwest. It was just like a, an interesting thing that you were doing on the weekend. It was an interesting thing I was doing on the weekend. <laughs> and back then, our WordPress rock star was Matt Mullenweg. That yeah. was pretty much it. There, yeah. were, there were no, and I hate the term. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to. I hate the term, yeah. but there weren't no rock stars. Yeah. There just weren't. There weren't names in the community yet by then, or maybe they were, but I just was. I was ignorant, like you said. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was scared shitless. Yeah. <laughs> to be to be doing this, but I thought it would be fun, and I'm I'm never one to turn down a challenge. So. Wow. And it was fun, and I was scared, and it was very intimidating. And when I was asked to write WordPress for Dummies, I thought, wow. I mean, I'd never considered writing a book before ever. Um. But again, it's a challenge, and I and I thought about it over the weekend, and thought, you know, if there's something that could really boost my business and really get my name out there in this, and I didn't, in the WordPress industry, WordPress economy wasn't even a thing yet, mm. or it was merging, or it was a thing, and I was ignorant of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I thought if there was anything that would springboard my career into yeah. this, it yeah. would be writing a book. Um, Little did I know <laughs> that it would very much springboard my career, and it has. Wow. Okay, so you write the book, and then the business kind of takes off. You start dealing with, um, you know, and I, and I love this because most people, the reality is most people are not going to write a book, even if they get the opportunity. Writing a book is extremely hard work. Most people are not going to write a book. But even right. blogging, even blogging or hosting a podcast or doing something that positions you as an authority or an expert or a rock star or whatever you know word you're comfortable with, and I get right. it. Like I don't, I don't like the whole rock star thing either. But the the reality is that just by just by hitting the publish button and putting media out and putting content out, you position yourself as an authority in your field. And whether that's a blog or a podcast or a book or a awesome YouTube channel or an internet TV show or whatever it is, even speaking at WordCamps, whatever it is, by doing that, you position yourself as someone who knows their material and someone who can be trusted as an authority. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think there's anything more valuable than that as a business owner or as somebody who wants to grow their business. Mm. When you have that kind of authority um, and people look to you as a thought leader or somebody with authority in the space, that's invaluable. Um, mm. So whatever business owners can do to uh, sort of curate that authority, that sort of following, um, definitely, you know, speaking is a great thing. Podcasting, and it doesn't even have to be like hosting a podcast. It could be like me right now being a guest on your podcast, um, but just getting involved and getting your name and your face out there for sure. Mm. Okay, so let's fast forward and let's talk a little bit about AppPressor. So AppPressor, for those that don't know, explain what AppPressor is in a couple of sentences. Um, so AppPressor.com, first thing, is where you can go read about it. And AppPressor is a uh, suite of dev tools that allows you to turn your WordPress website into a mobile app for iOS and Android. Um, and that means that you could take that app and submit it to the Apple Store and submit it to Google Play uh, for distribution, uh, which is huge. I mean, distribution on the internet with websites in browsers is huge itself, but you've got a whole nother platform and a whole nother distribution network with um, app stores and mobile apps. So, 
So for those uh, for those who are uninitiated, this, just to be clear, this is not responsive design websites. This is not something like uh, WP Touch Pro, which turn which we love by the way, which turns your website into a kind of you know native looking kind of app. This is actually to build native iOS and Android apps that you can then distribute via the Google Play Store or the iTunes App Store, right? Yes, exactly right. And it's, exactly right. It, oh, and it's built on WordPress, right? It is built for WordPress. Uh-huh. So it is a, a suite of plugins that hooks into WordPress and sort of opens up the API to speak with a JavaScript library called PhoneGap mm-hmm. by Adobe um, that allows you to hook into native features on mobile devices. So it's not, like you said, it's not just a responsive. It's got its own theme that is an app wrapper. And in that theme, it hooks into native features, native features being your camera on your phone, your contacts, um, geolocation, push notifications, things like that. So the possibilities here are really enormous because you can take um, an e-commerce site, for example, and we've got a couple of example e-commerce apps that are in the app store that you can find links for on Mm -hmm. apppresser.com. But you can take an e-commerce store built with WordPress and WooCommerce And you can not only distribute those products now in your website and even a responsive website um, for people to browse, but then you can also take it and package it as a mobile app for iOS, Apple, or Android for Google Play and distribute it in those app stores as well. And those um, applications on the phone allow you to use native applications or native features as well as WordPress and WooCommerce and some of the other uh, features that you've built into it. Um, so it really takes application development to a whole nother level um, for people that don't know how to develop uh, mobile apps. It's a lot easier now to be able to put one out there. This, there's a, there's a, I can't even begin to say how much I like this. There's a lot about this I like. What, where I really see this, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, Matt's been talking about, as in Mullenweg, has been talking about WordPress becoming an application framework, application development framework for a while now. Uh, and he's, uh, in fact, at San Francisco last year in the WordCamp, he said that WordPress was about democratizing publishing and development on the web, which was a key distinction. It's the first time he's used, he's put development in that sentence. Something like AppPressor, I see, you know, I see things like Happy Tables popping up, um, you know, yeah. ver- vertical kind of apps built on WordPress. Something like AppPressor, I see, you could build an app for a specific vertical. You could build, sorry, you could build a, a, a web app on WordPress for a particular vertical. And then using something like AppPressor, you've basically got iOS and Android apps ready to go for that web app that you've just built, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, and Matt Mullenweg in State of the Word 2013 and 2012 talked about uh, the future of WordPress is using it as a framework for web and mobile apps. Mm. Uh, so this kind of builds on that. We were very, very much inspired uh, by Matt and very much inspired by some custom client work that we were doing that was the basis of AppPressor. Um, but to your point, yes, absolutely. You could take, and let's use an example of, and I use this example a lot because I'm a big fan of yoga. Mm-hmm. So if you have a yoga studio online and yoga studios usually have things like class schedules, the ability to register for classes um, or register for the events, things like that. So you've got this website where people can go and learn about your mm-hmm. studio, see photos of your studio, register for classes on your studio. 
Um, you can now take that as well and turn that into a mobile app. And now all of the people that come to your studio, you could offer them um, an iOS app that would allow them to register for classes online. And that would hook into the native feature of your calendar. So not only are you registering for classes online, but now your calendar is popping up notifications and reminders to you that you register for class at five o'clock on Tuesday night. Um, you can go even further with that because AppPressor does, is compatible with BuddyPress and turn your yoga studio into a full um, social network so that mm. people that are going to the yoga studio can private message one another, they can participate in groups, they can um, you know, notify each other via the app and say, hey, you know, Troy, you're going to class tonight because I'm not going if you're not going. Um, so really that application becomes something that the business can extend uh, not only from desktops and the computer, but onto mobile phones, which everybody is carrying these days. So. Okay, and so the basically the 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 core AppPressor plugin is free, and then there are a bunch of extensions that you can buy. So this is similar to the WooCommerce model, uh, where the Badge you know, OS model, yeah, yep, yeah, uh, exactly. Uh, the so the I'm just looking at the pricing here, and an interesting tweet from Chris Lemmer saying, "I just bought the unlimited mobile apps from AppPressor before they realized their price is too cheap." Uh, look at the yeah. pricing model here. So if I'm correct here. $500 gets me up to 25 apps and all of the extensions and renewals for a year. Is that right? That is absolutely right. Yep. So as a consultant, I look at this. And so one of the things that I always bang on about is, you know, the way to, the way to run a business is to add value to your customers and then optimize your processes internally so that you can add that value and make a profit. Yeah. I look at something yep. like this as a way of just, uh, this, is, this just gives me some tools where I can optimize my development processes and offer a whole new suite of products to my clients that otherwise, I mean, I wouldn't know how to build a mobile app. I'm okay with PHP and, you know, WordPress, but I don't, I, and I don't want to go and find and interview mobile apps and employ them, but this is going to allow me to build mobile apps within the framework that I'm already familiar and comfortable with, which is WordPress. Absolutely. Now, I want to clarify, you're not going to be building Angry Birds. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, this is purely like content based apps. Um, but yeah, I mean, the first month after our release, Chris Lemma was harping on us to let us know that we're not charging nearly enough. The value on a plugin like this is huge. And we are discovering that. Um, right now, you can get AppPressor Bundle for $500. I would suggest it. Yeah. Um, because next week, yeah, it, next week, it might yeah. go up. <laughs> next week, will be 5000 No. I'm kidding. I, no. um, but I mean, if I were a, if I were a WordPress business owner, <laughs> mm. um, and you know, I look back to the times where I was just by myself and I was a freelancer spending $500 and investing in tools that would help me be successful for my clients, um, is something that I did all the time. I did it with gravity forms, but a developer's license over there. And I use it over and over and over again mm. to help my clients achieve success. Mm. Um, as a freelance developer, if I've spent $500 on AppPressor today and I can turn around and charge my first client $5,000 for a mobile app. I have paid for AppPressor's bundle, mm -hmm. you know, 10 times mm -hmm. on my first client. Mm. So if you do 10 or 12 of those in a year, yeah. um, you know, AppPressor, it pays for itself over and over and over and over again because right now it's costing iOS developers. If you were to go out to have a develop, you know, an app developed by an iOS developer, you're talking tens of thousands of dollars, if not more than that. I know. Um, yeah. Yeah, I bet you do. <laughs> I have I have quotes and proposals sitting in my inbox over the last couple of years. And the, you know, 
the whole this the, the whole thing. Like well, I talk to WordPress consultants all the time who aren't charging enough because they don't see themselves as a specialist. I'm like, you know what? Go and find an iOS developer and get a quote from them on building an app. These guys know how to price themselves as specialists. Yeah, exactly. Because right. what they oh, do, yeah, they... what they do is is a specialist skill. And what we do is a specialist skill with WordPress. We just don't realize it enough. So that's why. You know, interviews like this and talking to people like you hopefully will help everyone in this space understand that what we do is actually a specialty uh, skill. This is awesome. I'm going to leave a link to this in the show notes. It's App Presser, and that's spelt with three P's. So it's A-P-P-R-E-S-S-E-R.com. Uh, go check it out. All right, let's get into our elevation round. Uh, for those that don't know, WP Elevation is a business accelerator program to help WordPress consultants run their business effectively and profitably. And so this Elevation Round is going to ask Lisa a series of quick questions about kind of freelancing and consulting, and hopefully you'll give us some quick, mind-blowing answers off the top of your head. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> no, pressure. Uh, no pressure. All right. What's the number one thing any freelancer or consultant needs to know? Uh the tools to communicate with your client, communicating with clients is key and having those tools in place, whether it's a base camp management system, whether it's a CRM, things like that, to make sure that you are communicating. Because I think even in those first contacts with clients and then ongoing throughout the project, communication is such a huge deal. Um, it's too easy to miss emails with junk and spam filters. So make sure you've got tools in place. Absolutely. What's the best thing you've ever done to find new customers? Wrote a book. No, I'm kidding. I knew you were going to say I need that. To give, I need to give practical advice. Uh, <laughs> it is practical advice. <laughs> I guess that is practical advice. Uh, probably the best thing I did to find customers was just put myself out there. Go to events, um, get myself, get my face, get my name out there, start talking to people. Uh, that's probably the best thing. And um, also putting our phone number on the website. That was huge. Wow. A lot of people don't do that, but we get a lot, a lot of phone calls, cold calls into our company that turn into, um, turn into work and paid, paid projects. That's so old school, isn't it? It really is. It's funny. I was talking to James Shremko, who's kind of like a, um, a business coach here in Australia, and he does a lot of consulting work with clients. And he said, like the lowest hanging fruit with any small business client is to put a really big call to action on the homepage and put their phone number top right of the website. It will increase yep. incoming leads. Absolutely. Uh, how do you stop competing on price? Um, when you start drowning and you don't have time to care what other people are doing, <laughs> <laughs> yes. you, yeah, you start, uh, you, you just can't pay attention to what other people are doing. You see what other people are, are pricing and they're pricing it for the reasons that they have, because they have certain <clears throat> things that they're doing, certain specialties, certain challenges that they have. You need to redirect that focus into your own business. What are your priorities? What are your goals? What are your, um, skills worth? and value that mm. and worry about that. Mm. What other people are charging is nice to know, mm. uh, but it's priorities for your own business. It reminds me of the very first Pressnomics uh, that I was at. Corey Miller spoke, I think he was first cab off the rank, and his whole presentation was about telling your story and just letting everyone else tell their story, but just concentrating on telling your story and don't worry about what everyone else is doing. Best advice ever. I love listening to Corey Miller speak. Yeah, so do I. Uh, any tips on writing better proposals? Um, details. Uh, you know, being real vague on proposals and what is included in the price um, is going to bite you in the end. Um, being very, very detailed about what's included, what prices are attached to which features, um, really helps set client expectations from step one. Nice. Do you have a favorite tool or system for CRM? Um, 
Not really. We've tried several different CRMs at Web Dev Studios. Um, so many different ones that do so many different things. We've landed on Help Scout. Uh-huh. I don't know if you're familiar with yeah. Help Scout at yeah. all. Um, but that's kind of where we landed, um, and that's what we're using right now because it really helps. It's got really nice collaboration tools, um, helps us keep our emails organized, uh, things like that. So, how, how do you avoid – this isn't one of the elevation questions, but it probably should be. How do you avoid the shiny object syndrome? How do you avoid just going it's and so like – so hard. Isn't it? It's so hard. It's so hard because there are so many great tools coming out and so many things that people are tweeting about. I love Help Scout. I love Salesforce. I love all these different, you know, and so many people like telling you which is the best tool and why to use this. And then you think, God, am I doing the right thing? Why? You know, should I be, can I be doing more? Am I doing this all wrong? Oh my God, what now? Um, so you can't, I mean, you just can't spend your time on it. If you find something, if we find something that we legitimately want to look into, we actually send uh, one of our office managers out to investigate it for us, sign up for the beta, use it, kind of figure out what's, you know, where the strengths and weaknesses are, come back to us with a report so that we can go, oh, that sounds really interesting. Let's do it. Or, eh, you know, forget it. Right. We usually look at the pricing first. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, that, that's, that's going to be a key factor in the decision. I'm hopeless. I'm like, my business partner, he just puts a ban on me signing up for new stuff because I'm like, I want to <laughs> switch project management tools every day. I want to try something new every day. I'm like, you know what? I know we're halfway through this project, but let's take it out of Asana and put it back in Basecamp just for fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it sounds funny. It sounds like a conversation that we just had with our development team yesterday. <laughs> yesterday, <laughs> we, are, we are so dependent on Basecamp, but they're all like, let's move all of this to Trello. Yeah. No, no, I can't even think about doing that right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's the, okay, so here's a question. What's the best way to keep a project and a client on track? Um, I'm going to go back to communication again. Yeah. I like to have, um, I, I like to have during the course of a project, and let's say our projects are 10 weeks long. During the course of that project, I like at least, at least a weekly phone call with the yeah. client to constantly update them on what's going on, to get a progress report, to answer any of their questions. Um, communication. Yep. That's it. Any ideas for getting referrals? Um, that phone number and that contact form on the website is invaluable. That's where we get almost all of our referrals from. We also get a lot of referrals from um, events that we go to, just making contact and making connections with people, um, and word of mouth. So, again, that's connections and networks with other um, similar businesses that we do. So don't avoid making relationships with people that you may consider to be your competitor mm. uh, because those people can be extremely helpful and vice versa. It can be a yeah. really good mutual, mutual relationship. You know, one of the best things I learned is um, when you meet people, like the WordPress community is so open and it's really easy to meet people in the WordPress space. And when you meet someone, what I try and do is find out who their, who their ideal client is so that if I get something across my desk that is like, Say, for example, I was talking to you guys. I get something across my desk that is like above, way above and beyond what I'm going to do. I say, hey, but you know what? I can refer you to people who might be able to help you here. So I always, yeah. try, and, I always try and meet people and then refer them work if I can because that's a great way of positioning yourself as someone who's helpful and, you know, someone who – and then you kind of get the attention of the other agencies and the other developers around and you start building that network. Exactly. It goes back to being that hero. Um, yeah. being a hero, not only is being the person to be able to physically provide solutions, but somebody who's got the resources at their fingertips to be able to say, look, I've got an expert on that. I've got an expert on this. I know where to send you about this, but that goes back to making sure you want to take care of your clients, whether that mm. is 
a client who is potential client, um, you know, you're not necessarily going to do it, but let me take care of you and send you somewhere where I know you'll yep. be taken care of. Exactly. Uh, final question in the elevation round. What's the number one thing you can do to differentiate yourself? Uh, find a specialty. Find something that you are really um, not only passionate about, but really good at, whether it's you personally or the team that you work with. Like at Web Dev Studios, um, like I said earlier in this interview, we're really positioned to be known for more advanced customization. When people come up with really crazy ideas, they're like, oh, call call web dev. They'll, they, they'll, they'll take something like that on. Um, and we love that. We absolutely love it. People know not to come to us with cat bloggers or, you know, mommy bloggers or small, you know, one-off projects that you can do with like a Genesis, uh, theme framework, things like that. Um, there are a lot of people that are making really good money doing that kind of work. That's great, but that's not us. Mm. So know what you're good at. And like you had mentioned early on in this, know what you're good at and put that out there so that people know what you will do, what you won't do, what you can do, what you can't do. Mm. Awesome. All right, just before we wrap up, what is the future of Web Dev Studios? Where do you think you guys will be in 12 months' time? Um, good question. We are, uh, we are super busy right now. I don't anticipate that to change. Um, I anticipate that we are going to grow in numbers in terms of staff, um, which is really, really very exciting for us. Um, so that's going to open up all sorts of different doors of opportunity in terms of the types of projects that we can take in. Um, but we're going to continue plugging away at these types of exciting projects that we're doing and putting out really innovative plugins like AppPressor, like BadgeOS, things like that. So Awesome. Is it scary growing as well? Is it like hiring new people and growing at that pace? Is it, do you kind of sometimes think, yeah, I just want to, you know, go and hide under my quilt for a week? <laughs> Um, there's pros and cons to it. I mean, uh, from my perspective and hopefully none of my team members are listening to this interview, <laughs> um, but from my perspective, it's super exciting to be bringing in all these new people with all these great ideas and, um, all this really amazing talent and to be able to see like this machine of like 12 projects going on at a time. And it's all just kind of plugging along because you've got a great team in place. Um, on the other hand, there, there's a lot of, a lot more noise than there used to be. Um, a lot more, um, HR issues, a lot more paperwork, a lot, a lot of, you know, so not only do you have to grow your development team, but when you grow your development team, you kind of have to grow your administrative team as well to kind of handle the balance with that. So yeah, it's a little bit scary. It's very exciting. Um, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm very much a proponent for growth. So I'm constantly encouraging that growth. I'm not scared of it at all. Um, it's very exciting, but there are some times where I'm like, no. <laughs> so yeah, it's fun. Cool. Like all right. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about work-life balance now too, because you said to me before the interview that uh, we're going, you very kindly offered to give away one copy of each of your books, which is amazing. So we have WordPress for Dummies, which is like WordPress 101 if you're just starting out and you want to get your feet wet. Then we have right. WordPress Web Design for Dummies, which is if you know how to use WordPress, you know how to install themes and plugins, this is going to help you actually do some web design work on WordPress. And then we have WordPress All-in-One, which is what was it, like 982,000 pages of... <laughs> <laughs> oh, my like, God, no. It was only 902 pages. 902 pages of WordPress, and this is like deep dive, more advanced stuff, talking about, you know, security and plugin integrations. And so there are three kind of levels of WordPress for Dummies books there. So what Lisa wants to know is, as entrepreneurs in the WordPress space, how are you achieving work-life balance 
Uh, you were saying before that you get out of the house, you go boating, you get outdoors things and you leave your cell phone in the truck so you can't check your emails. What is it that you do to achieve work-life balance? Leave your comments underneath this video and I'll get Lisa to swing by in a couple of weeks and award the prize. Sound good? Yes, please. I need those tips. Awesome. Yeah, she's serious. Like we, we need to know how you're achieving work-life balance. So leave your comments under the video. All right. Thank you very much for spending some time with us on the WP Elevation podcast. I really appreciate it. Uh, finally, where can people reach out and say thanks to you, Lisa? Uh, they can find me at Twitter at Lisa Sabin Wilson, all one word, long name, Lisa Sabin Wilson, and then at webdevstudios.com. Cool. I'll leave all the links in the show notes under this video. And uh, last question, who would you like me to try and interview and why? Oh, let's see. There is a developer on our team at WebDev Studios. His name is Justin Sternberg, uh -huh. uh, JT Sternberg on Twitter. A really, really talented uh, designer and dev. So he started with WebDev Studios. He was a painter. He painted houses. Right. Um, and he applied for a job, started out as a designer, moved into a back-end developer. Um, so he's really, we, we call him a design developer because he kind of has experience that uh, spans the spectrum of WordPress customization. What do you call him? A design? A design developer. Design developer. <laughs> I love that. What about, yeah. a, what about a diviner? A what? A diviner. A diviner? Oh, yeah, a divine, diviner. Diviner. Yeah. A, like a design developer or a diviner? A developer. I like it. All right. I'm yeah. just checking out Justin's uh, page here on your website. Uh, so Justin Stern Sternberg, is that how you say his last name? Sternberg, yep. Sternberg. Justin Sternberg, I'm coming to get you for the podcast courtesy of Lisa Saban Wilson. So keep your eyes on Twitter or your email inbox. You're awesome. welcome, Justin. Thank you very much for spending some time with us on the podcast. I wish you guys all the best uh, at WebDev Studios. And very excited to see what is going to happen with AdPressa over the next little while. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Troy. It's always a pleasure talking to you, and I appreciate it. Cheers. Take care. All right. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed meeting Lisa Sabin-Wilson as much as I enjoyed interviewing her on the podcast. I think Lisa is awesome. I'm a big fan, uh, and I don't mind saying so. Uh, of course, this episode is brought to you by Video User Manuals, the first, the original, the best, the only way to teach your clients how to use WordPress the plugin puts over 60 video tutorials in your client's WordPress dashboard to teach them how to use WordPress, WooCommerce, and SEO by Yoast uh, so that you don't have to. Um, it frees up your time. It kind of automates your client training process. Um, it's ridiculous value. It's $24 a month at the moment. That price will go up soon. So if you're listening to this and it still is $24 a month, I suggest you grab it while you can. Uh, and that's to install it on unlimited client sites. So you can train all of your clients how to use WordPress and stop them asking you the annoying questions. Uh, check out wpelevation.com slash VUM for a video walkthrough of how the plugin works and how you can use it to win more clients. And of course, subscribe to the podcast at wpelevation.com slash subscribe. And when you do subscribe, you'll instantly get access to a free content creation webinar that we put together that will help you create content and which we know we spoke about with Lisa is important, blogging, podcasting, writing a book, whatever it is you want to do, creating content is critical for positioning yourself as the authority. Uh, so you, you get instant access to that content creation webinar, which you can learn uh, from, and then you can also use that to teach your clients how, why they should be creating content and how they can create content. So you can build more blog websites for them, and they can fill those websites with good content, and everyone wins. So wpelevation.com slash subscribe. And of course, then you will get notified with every episode of the podcast so you never miss a guest. All the show notes for this episode will be at wpelevation.com slash Lisa Sabin Wilson. That is L-I-S-A. 
S-A-B-I-N-W-I-L-S-O-N. All lowercase, all one word, no spaces, no hyphens, no funny underscores. WPElevation.com slash Lisa Sabin Wilson for all of the links and everything we spoke about in this episode. And remember, leave your comments underneath the video for your chance to win one of three of Lisa's books, WordPress for Dummies, WordPress Web Design for Dummies, or WordPress 101 for Dummies. And tell us which book you'd like to win. Uh, Leave a comment under the video and tell us how you are achieving work-life balance and which book you would like to win. And uh, I'll get Lisa to swing by in a couple of weeks and award the prize. I have no idea who next week's guest is. Uh, Let me just have a quick look in my calendar and see if I can tell you. I think next week's guest might be Kaspar Hubinger from uh, Germany. Uh, He works for the company who are behind MarketPress, one of the Germany plug-in companies. Simon Dixon actually recommended that I interview Kaspar. I think he might be up next week. I hope he is. Um, You'll have to watch next week or listen next week to find out. I hope you're enjoying the podcast as much as I am. Please give us a five-star review over at iTunes. It really helps us get more listeners. Until next time, go Elevate.